Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land's recruiting-centric podcast, The Dotted Line. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to Ohio State and national recruiting experts, LGHL's own recruiting analysts, and even recruits themselves. On today's episode, I am joined once again by Land Grant Holy Land recruiting columnist and our resident football coach, Caleb Hauser. Caleb, how are you doing, man? Doing wonderful. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. We are coming to you on Sunday, July 25th. This is uh, two days, Caleb, after you wrote a really interesting article on um, Ohio State's 2022 offensive class. And then now two days before you're going to write the companion piece on the defensive side of the ball for the 2022 recruiting class. We're going to get into both of those things and also talk about some other interesting recent Ohio State recruiting news. Um, but I want to start off with the the piece that you published on Friday. And in it, you looked at the 2022 offensive recruiting that Ohio State has already done and what they still need, in your words, to have a perfect finish. So when you were thinking about how to like draw this up, obviously they've got most of their offensive guys and most of the position groups already done, I'm going to imagine, for the most part. How did you look at perfect? Did you think, well, maybe we could get this guy to flip? Or were you kind of looking at just more, who are they still looking at? Were you trying to add more guys to certain rooms? What was your philosophy and methodology in trying to put this whole thing together? So when I look at the offensive class for 2022, there's really not much more they can do except for on the offensive line. So the way I looked at the class and how I think it'd be a perfect finish is what they can do to the offensive line hall. So, you know, they've already got two guys in the fold with in-state Tegra Tishabola. And then they've got the Colorado native, who is also the most recent commit in the class, George Fitzpatrick. So those are the two guys that are locked in so far. But you really look at all of the opinions swaying around this class and people are saying, well, there's already 17 kids at the class. You know, how big can this class get? You know, after last year's class not being super big, but, you know, 2023, you're going to want to have, you know, some guys probably a little bit more than what they had in 2021's class. And with how many just young players that are on this roster right now, I think Ryan Day on Media Day said there's 45 guys that are either freshmen that have never even seen the field yet. So uh, freshmen and sophomores that have not seen the field yet. So, I mean, obviously we know how young this roster is. So the class sizes can't be super big, you know, knowing that they've got the 85, you know, scholarship limit. So I kind of looked at it as a way of who are they going to add? What are the best options they can add? And then, you know, I guess a little bit of my opinion on who, the perfect finish would be for the offensive line hall. Cause you look at the other positions and I'm sure we'll get into it, but I mean, those are just, they're stacked. Yeah. And the, the best part is they're stacked with the best guys. Yeah. At quarterback, obviously they have the number one rated recruit overall in Quinn Ewers at running back. They have a guy uh, in Dallin Hayden, who is only the 21st best back in the country. But as you say, like that rating is not necessarily as close to where the staff believes him to be. And Assuming that Evan Pryor doesn't get nearly as much run in 2021 as Travion Henderson does, he is essentially another back in that class. So that kind of makes sense. Brian Hartline has his stacked class of Caleb Burton, Kion Grays, uh, Caleb Brown, and Kojo Antwi. And then on at tight end, you've got Bennett Christian and Benji Gosnell. So as you said, those position groups are probably full at this point. So let's look at who... Coach Stadrawa and and Ryan Day might add to Tegretashabola and George Fitzpatrick. Let's you've got three guys in the article, and these this is your perfect finish. But let's start with who do you think is the most likely of those three guys to end up in Ohio State's 2022 recruiting class? 
So I mentioned three guys, like you said in the article, the guy that I think has the most momentum right now behind a potential pledge and verbal commitment to Ohio State is Cam Dewberry. So the Houston, Texas product is just one of those guys that is super outspoken on his social media pages um, and I think really loves the recruiting process. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're a kid in 2021, you might as well enjoy it. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So Cam Dewberry just seems like he is the full package for me. He's a six foot four. 315 pound offensive tackle. And we all know the offensive tackle position is the most important on the offensive line, you know, protecting the blind side of the quarterback and making sure, you know, that you've got your ends covered up considering, you know, teams like Ohio state that have defensive ends, like, you know, Jack Sawyer and the list goes on, but you're going to need the outside of your offensive line to be, you know, completely in depth with, you know, strong, strong options. So I look at Cam Dewberry as being probably in my opinion right now, the most, the most favorable to commit. And I don't think Ohio state by any means is out of the woods yet. I do think in the end, he will be an Ohio state commit, uh, but Texas A&M, you know, being somewhat close to his, his high school area. Much closer just than has, Columbus, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. They have been all over him. And I think what I've seen from several reports is that cam might have, you know, Ohio state as his leader right now, but Texas A&M is still confident that maybe in the end they can get him to stay closer to home. So, but as, as the piece goes, I would think that right now the guy that is the most favorable to commit or the most likely to commit is Cam Dewberry, which would be, you know, incredible 108th player overall in the country, regardless of position, 10th best offensive tackle. And that's in the composite rankings. So um, definitely would be a big time addition for Ohio state. Yeah. And he's a guy who anytime anybody, whether it's CJ Hicks or anybody else from the 20, uh, 2022 class, it talks about there being a boom coming. Cam Dewberry is always one of those guys that people think it could right. be uh, because he's been somebody who, whether he's ready to commit or not, has kind of been on commitment watch for a lot of analysts for a while. Um, we've had a piece written for him that probably needs to be updated because it's so old at this sure. point. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely somebody who could commit uh, anytime soon. But like you said, whether he, if he does end up committing, he is a very, very strong um, addition. But of the three guys that you mentioned, he is he is not the top-rated player um, in the country that you thought um, could be a part of a perfect ending for Ohio State's offensive recruiting. The highest-rated guy is, is Ernest Green, who is from uh, St. John Bosco Prep out in California. Why did you include him in this group? He, he has no crystal balls anywhere. Everybody on his 24-7 profile is listed as cool, so I don't know if he's shut down his recruitment to get ready for his fall season or whatever, um, but why did you include him uh, in this list of guys that could be uh, really, really good additions as uh, they wrap up the 2022 class. Obviously, you look at the player ranking and you see, well, shoot, this guy's uncommitted. He is one of the top players left on the board. He would be a perfect fit, you know, just considering his talent and his athletic ability. And obviously the ranking, you know, says it all. But the reason why I chose Ernest Green as someone to be a perfect fit for this class and, you know, part of a perfect finish is just the lineage behind Ernest Green. So and I go back to Wyatt Davis, you know, obviously an All-American at Ohio State from the same prep program. We've heard stories several times about coach Greg Sidrawa, you know, camping out on, on Wyatt Davis's street during the recruitment process to make sure that he ended up an Ohio state Buckeye. And you look at St. John Bosco, you know, in California, and that is one of the top prep programs in the country every single year, they're pumping out multiple guys and Ohio state's benefited from it. I mean, you've got, you know, court Williams on the team right now. 
Um, at one point, Ohio State had a commitment from Jaden Woodby, who obviously ended up at Florida State, um, you know, and on down the list. But, you know, I think of Wyatt Davis as someone who might just be able to crack that mm -hmm. school as a pipeline. And I think Ernest Green would be the perfect, you know, next kind of next man up type of deal. Um, again, from that same prep program, keeps the pipeline a little bit open in California. I mean, since Ryan Day's taken over, they really have gone into California so much more than they, you know, naturally and, you know, have, you know, in years past, I mean, Urban Meyer was able to do it a couple of times, but you really look at what they've been able to do since, you know, Ryan Day's been at the helm and California has been much more present, you know, in the roster. So I just think Ernest Green is one of those guys that's kind of the next man up type of deal. He's got, you know, great lineage, like I said, um, can play the position. And you look at his size, he's 6'5", 330 pounds. He's bigger than Cam Dewberry, but projects to be in, in the interior. I mean, what more could you ask for, you know, from a guy that projects to be in the interior to be that big, but can still move, you know, and pull as a guard, you know, get up onto double teams, you know, with the center on linebackers. I mean, he just, he's the whole total package. And obviously the reason why he's, you know, 61st, you know, national ranked product, regardless of position and, you know, the second best is a interior guy. So definitely think he is one that the Buckeyes would love to have, of course, and that's totally obvious, but I think he's another guy that if they can get him, he would be a huge addition and a reason why I think he'd be another perfect fit. And I think there was a time, I guess it was probably in June where Ohio state offered like four or five guys from right. St. Bosco yep. in like two days. Yeah, um, so they're prospects in the 2024 and 2023 class. So, I mean, they're, they're certainly <laughs> doing the very best they can to keep, you know, their, their yeah, name yeah. early and often at St. John Bosco, which I mean, who would, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Of, program like that it speaks for itself yeah well what's interesting is is as i said ernest green is the highest rated guy that you had in your potential um closeout list for the ohio state offense but there is another guy rated much higher than than even ernest green that a lot of ohio state fans are still hoping commits to ohio state and that's zach rice who's the number seven player overall um out of lynchburg virginia he has Ohio State as, I don't know if it's one of his official finalists, but he's it's one of the teams that he is still reportedly um, considering. Why didn't you include Zach Rice in um, this potential perfect finish for Ohio State's offense? I just think Zach Rice is one of those players, and it's not to knock Coach Tadrawa at all. I mean, Coach Tadrawa has done a really good job recruiting. I mean, sometimes you will hear a little bit of backlash with that. And, you know, I guess the argument is, well, he can't, always get that top national, you know, five-star offensive tackle that, you know, ends up going yeah. to Alabama or ends up going to wherever it may be. But I just look at Zach Rice as being someone that, again, maybe loves the recruiting process, but I mean, he just locked in another a visit to North Carolina. He's been very, very, very close to home with this type of stuff. And I just feel like Zach Rice, while he'd be a huge home run hit, I just don't see it as a realistic option right now. And I don't see it as someone who is going to join Ohio state's class. I mean, could I be wrong? Absolutely. And I would love to be wrong. <laughs> you look at that kind of talent you look at that kind of film um, that he, that he has, you know, right on his highlights, but I just don't think it's there right now. And I don't know who will be able to get him, but it looks like to me right now that North Carolina is picking up some serious steam again, you know, scheduling another visit there. Obviously it's a lot closer to Virginia than, than Columbus is. Um, but I don't think a player like Zach Rice is, you know, truly just going to be about where the program is at and, you know, staying close to home. A lot of these five-star guys, you know, do tend to go to more national programs, you know, regardless of how far it is from home. I just don't think that at least right now, the momentum with Zach Rice is pointing anywhere towards Ohio state. I think he stays 
more closer to home, whether it be, you know, uh, North Carolina. Um, and I think the program that's probably second right now would probably be Alabama. So. All right. So if Zach Rice is out, there's one more guy that you have in this collection of potential commitments for Ohio State. And it's another pretty highly rated guy. So who rounds out your perfect finish um, for the Ohio State offense? So in my opinion, I think Ohio State right now with two guys in the fold, you've heard rumors that, oh, they only want to take three. You've heard rumors, well, they'll you know, they'll take four. Well, you've also heard rumors that, well, if they're not going to turn down a fifth player, if it's, you know, a certain you know level of player or a certain caliber of guy. So I don't really know who they're going to end up with um, in terms of numbers, but I can tell you I'd be shocked if it's not at least four. So for me, I put up the two guys that I think will commit in the end being Ernest Green and Cam Dewberry. I think those are the guys that would be perfect fits. And I think, you know, those are guys that they really have a strong chance for. The last person that I mentioned in the article is Emil Wagner, an in-state kid. And I think this recruitment is probably the most interesting of the three. The reason why anytime you've got an Ohio State national top prospect that is right in your backyard from Huber Heights Wayne, which is just over an hour from Columbus, you would think that's, you know, dead set in stone, done deal. He's going to be an Ohio State Buckeye. I mean, you look at Braxton Miller. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, even the Christian Bluesmith, who's not Cincinnati, he was a Wayne product that ended up at Ohio State before transferring. And then obviously you've got, you know, historical players too down down the list. Obviously our friend uh, at Notre Dame right now who's doing a great job on the, on the recruiting Marcus trail. Yep. We don't need, yeah, we don't even need to go down that road. But yep. I mean, obviously another Huber Heights Wayne product. So that school right there, you would think anytime there's a big time player that is on that roster that has an Ohio State offer, it's pretty much a done deal. So um, this one to me is, is, like I said, more interesting than all of the other recruitments, just because of the fact that he is an in-state player, but doesn't look like it's someone that at least right now, there's a ton of buzz about him being an Ohio State Buckeye. And I think that's for multiple reasons. I've heard and I've read several things on Emil, and the one that kind of sticks out to me is his personality in comparison to Ohio State. And not to say that his personality doesn't gel super well with Ohio State, but Ohio State is always business. I mean, it is it is going and it's a very family oriented program. Of course, Ryan Day you know strives to have that, but it is intense as it can be. And I think obviously the reason why it's as intense as it can be is because of the expectations that are on that program every single day. So the intensity of that program doesn't really match up with who Emil is. More of a softer spoken guy, not always, you know, rah, rah, rah. And that's fine. But I think what happens is, is these kids go on these visits and whether they're wild or they're, you know, not wild tends to have a little bit of quiet time after the visits happen. And Emil being an in-state kid, you would think that after a visit like that, it would be, you know, all in, you know, I loved my visit to Ohio state and whether he didn't or did not. I mean, I, I know he obviously had put out there that he enjoyed his time and spoke with several people, but just the buzz around him has kind of surfaced a little bit and has quieted down. That to me tells me that he's probably not the top choice on Ohio state's board. And I think Ohio state's probably not the top choice on his board as well. There is a crystal ball, only one on the two, four, seven sports, you know, prediction rating that does have Ohio state in favor but just right now, I don't see it as a super home run fit. And I don't think it's one of those done deals by any means. His, uh, his older brother, you know, obviously, you know, played at Kentucky and, you know, several different aspects can go into that. Um, but I just think that right now, Emil Wagner would be one of those guys that may look elsewhere. The reason why I put him in to the article and to that piece is because of what he can be in being an in-state guy. Those are type of guys you just don't want to lose out to other programs. 
I think of it as, you know, one thing like this where, you know, if Emil was to go to, you know, Kentucky, Michigan State or, or some other program and, you know, do a fantastic job, that might be one where the staff goes, man, we, you know, we let one get away. So in my opinion, again, I put him in the piece because it's an interesting one uh, for one, but two, if they don't get one of their higher nationally ranked guys, then they have someone that's again, right down the highway, you know, just West of them an hour away that they can say, you might be more of a little bit of a developmental piece based on your weight and your frame to be an offensive tackle at this level, but all the intangibles are there. And we can certainly work with you and develop you, you know, in the end game. So again, I think he's just one of the three players that makes the most sense, obviously being an in-state guy, like I said, and being so highly ranked. Um, But right now I think Ernest Green and Cam Dewberry look to be a little bit more of a, of a priority to the staff uh, right now. So we'll see how it goes, but that is one player that I'd like to see them, you know, at least go after if, you know, they don't get their higher ranked options. Yeah, I mean, he is still 116th in the country, so he's not chopped liver by uh, by any yeah, means. by any means. So, and, uh, you know, Kentucky always turns out really, really good offensive line products, so that makes sense, especially with his brother being there. But he also took a visit to Notre Dame, which, as we mentioned earlier with Marcus Freeman recruiting, they look, they've already got a huge commitment um, from the state of Ohio from a five-star guy in 2023. They are pursuing Sonny Styles very, very closely. Obviously, his brother goes there as well. I right. wonder if this might be one of those things where Ohio State would normally not accept a, a commitment from uh, Emil Wagner Um in a normal situation, but maybe they look at it coming down to Ohio state and Notre Dame and think they don't want another highly rated Ohio kid going to Notre Dame. So maybe they do bring him in. Um, You got to think about where you're allowing kids from in state to go to if you aren't bringing them in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so Cam Dewberry, Ernest Green, Emil Wagner are the three guys you have in the perfect um, culmination of the 2022 Ohio State offensive recruiting. As I said on Tuesday, you're going to have a column coming out about what things look like on the defensive side of the ball where there's a lot more open-ended questions as to what they are um, going to do there and a lot of really exciting things as well. Obviously, they have a number of highly rated guys uh, in the class already, they have two five stars um, on the defensive side of the ball in Jaheim Singletary and knock on wood that he stays in the class at corner. You've also got C.J. Hicks at linebacker. Then you've got Terrence Brooks, who just recently committed. You've got Gabe Powers um, and uh, Jair Brown and kind of going on and on from there. So as you look at what they have on the defensive side of the ball already, what is it before we get into the who? What is it that they need to round out the class? Well, the offensive side of the ball that I mentioned, you know, obviously on Friday was a fun piece to write because I'm an offensive side of the ball coach. But I do think that this week on Tuesday, people will really enjoy reading the defensive piece because it's so open ended. And we talked about this a little bit off the air, but it really can go, you know, a bevy of different ways. So I'm really excited to see what Ohio State does on the defensive side of the ball, knowing that, yes, they have a ton of guys that are already committed, you know, mainly secondary guys. 
but they still have, you know, several dudes that they're going after that are top ranked prospects, you know, whether it's at certain positions or whether it's on the defensive line, whatever it may be. So I'm really excited to see that one. The position that I'm really interested in looking at is a defensive is the defensive secondary. And most people are probably like, well, why aren't you more interested in the defensive line? You know, they don't have anybody committed yet. Well, this is why I don't think they're going to have any problems at all getting guys on the defensive line when all is said (laughs) and done, considering they have Larry Johnson. So I'm not worried about that at all. I am super interested in the defensive backfield because of how many guys they already have in the fold. As I mentioned, I mean, you've got corners, you've got safeties, you've got guys that can play their, you know, the beloved bullet position that we, you know, always seem to ask what in the world is that? So those are the guys that I'm kind of looking at more specifically because it looks like there's two guys left that they would love to take and are obvious takes. Uh, But when you see all of the guys that are already in the fold, plus the two that I'm going to talk about right now, which is Zion Branch's safety from Bishop Gorman. And then obviously the Iowa stars, Adrian Wankpa, another safety. Those are the two guys that Ohio state wants to get in the fold right now. And if you look at both of their profiles, on 247, multiple crystal balls for Zion Branch to Ohio State, and then the one lone crystal ball prediction for Xavier Wankpa is also at Ohio State. And the thing that I think is most interesting about the recruitment of the safety position is the fact that most people at other programs are probably telling Xavier, Zion, why in the world would you want to go to Ohio State when they already have commitments from so many guys in defensive secondary? I mean, you've got Kai Stokes that will probably play you know, safety, obviously at 6'2", 185, he can play corner, but he is more of a safety prospect. You got Ryan Turner. That's a quarterback. You've got all of these guys, Jair Brown. You've got Terrence Brooks, who's a recent commit. You've got James Singletary, who we already talked about. I mean, those guys are corners, but the staff at Ohio state has told Xavier and Zion, there are bits for you in this program, regardless of how many guys we already have in the fold. So that's what I'm most interested in to see if they can land both of these guys, even though every other you know staff in the country is probably selling them on, there's too many guys at Ohio State come here where you can you know shine right away, you know, and be the guy and not have to worry about all this competition. But I'm super interested to see if you know Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes can go in and get Xavier and Zion and bring them as you know a part of Ohio State's class. And if they can, you're talking probably the best secondary haul that I've ever seen Ohio State bring in, which is obviously saying something. So that's the yeah. one I'm most interested in. Yeah, and, and currently, as we are recording, um, Zion Branch is out at USC, obviously a, a fairly close drive um, for for him from Las Vegas, but he's also there with his brother, Zachariah Branch, who's a 2023 receiver who Ohio State has also offered. Um, so pretty interesting that um, Ohio State has uh, made offers to both those guys, and both seem pretty interested. Um, right. Zachariah is uh, the number 90 player in the country. He's a wide receiver, as I said, so you got to wonder if Brian Hartline is uh, – uh, interested in a guy, there's a pretty decent chance of him of him uh, landing. That Xavier Xavier Nwangpa is the number 58 player in the country, number five safety. Um, Zion Branch is the number 52 player in the country, number four safety. So get being able to land both of those guys would be absolutely bonkers um, and really add to what, as you said, is just a an absolutely bananas recruiting class if they can wrap that up. But you did mention the defensive line where there are no commitments yet for the 2022 class, which seems 
crazy at this point because of how good we know Larry Johnson is on the recruiting trail. Do you think that ha- that has anything to do with how good the 2021 recruiting class was on the defensive line, especially when you throw in JT to a Malowau, um, alongside Jack Sawyer, especially on those defensive end positions? Do you think it's them kind of waiting to see how things shake out there? Or is it recruits saying, I might want to go somewhere else because I might be behind two studs for a couple of years? What do you think's going on in terms of the defensive line recruiting? No, I, I think it can contribute to a lot of things. I think some of it can just be pure coincidence, obviously. I mean, with a lot of these kids that visit in June, uh, you know, they're probably taking their sweet time trying to figure out what we're going to be able to do for commitments and all that good stuff, knowing that they've, you know, weren't able to visit anywhere for over a year. Personally, me, and I don't know if this would be true or not, but I think some of it would contribute to the fact that probably Larry Johnson and the rest of the staff were so focused on trying to get JT Tuomolo into the class yeah. at the end of the 21 cycle that they probably, you know, had most of their attention set on still focusing on finishing the 2021 class with JT. And maybe that kind of jump started and why, you know, some of the 2022 stuff has not really taken off yet. So maybe could be, could again, just be by pure coincidence. But I, again, like I said earlier, I know probably everyone feels this way. I don't think there's any reason to worry or ever doubt, you know, what Larry Johnson's to be able to finish with when it's all said and done. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I think doubting LJ is something you do at your own peril because uh, no one should ever count that dude out. Um, all right. So in a, on the defensive line, how do you how in your perfect world, how do you wrap up the class in terms of who um, who, who comes across the front uh, for the Buckeyes? Yeah, so I'm going to write on a couple of guys on the defensive line for Tuesday. Uh, one guy that will definitely be in there is Chris McClellan, and he is the Owasso, Oklahoma product that has been probably, I think probably the guy that has been the name the most, is a, at least as of recently, um, you know, in terms of, you know, who could be the first guy on the defensive line to commit. And I don't think it's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or the next day, but I do still think that this is one recruitment that could be, you know, anytime. So, and Chris is one of those guys that, you know, left Ohio state just glowing and raving about his visits. Um, and I don't think that's worn off yet. And I don't think it will wear off. I think he's very serious about how he feels about Ohio state, but obviously, you know, the Buckeyes won't be out of the woods yet until, you know, he gets the verbal um, towards the Buckeyes and obviously Oklahoma being, you know, the in-state product, whether they were late on him or not, you know, they're always going to have a little bit of juice, you know, being an in-state product. So I think Chris McClellan is a guy that they can get, I do think they will get him eventually. I just think the momentum around him has been so Buckeye favored that it almost be kind of a a shock that they, you know, if they didn't get him. So that'll be one guy that I'm definitely going to mention. Then the other one that I'm excited to write about is Eni White. And this was a guy that, you know, for some time it was like, ah, you know, not going to happen. And then "Ah, maybe it could happen. And then after visits, you know, in June, it's like, wow, Ohio State's really got a sweet chance here. And it's because of, once again, who other than Larry Johnson. So um, just hit it out of the park with Eni White. And I think that that's another guy that I don't know if they will get him. Um, things are trending well right now. I mean, obviously, you're going to have the other, you know, Blue Bloods right after him with Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Um, but I do think the way things have been trending, especially, you know, Georgia Insider, like Rusty Manziel saying, you know, I, I don't think Georgia's got, you know, the – the momentum right now. I do think it's Ohio state and then other people, you know, kind of seconding that motion that that is one that's huge. I mean, once again, 36 overall player in the composite rankings, the number three edge rusher and the number one player in Pennsylvania. And once again, if they can land the number one player in Pennsylvania, as they did Mm -hmm. with Julian Fleming, 
even though Penn State's not really on the board with Eni White, it's just another slap to Happy Valley that just says, you know, Ohio State really does come into Pennsylvania whenever they want and take whoever they want. So those are the two guys that I'm most excited to write about um, for right now. Uh, the rest I kind of do a little bit more research. I mean, I know Amari Abor is going to be a name that people are definitely going to want me to hit to hit on or hear about. So, um, but there's several prospects that they're, you know, definitely well, well in on. Uh, I just think that Chris McClellan and Eni White are the first two I want to touch on because I think there's some momentum there. And I also think they would fill some huge voids. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Speaking of number one uh, uh, players in certain states, you mentioned Penn, Pennsylvania, where, uh, in all fairness, uh, James Franklin and uh, and company have been doing a fairly decent job. But you talked about Georgia. The number one player in the 2023 class for Georgia is Lebius Overton, and apparently he is going to be coming to Columbus over this next weekend. Um, what do we know about him, and what do we know about the rest of this uh, this cookout or whatever it's going to be coming up the last weekend of July that uh, Shane and I talked about on last week's episode? Yeah, I think getting Overton on campus is going to be huge. I mean, clearly, anytime you're able to get the number one player in the country uh, for the composite rankings, I mean, that that's incredible. So, I mean, you look at the 247 rankings and he's the number one player in the country, number one defensive lineman, number one player in Georgia. And then you look above that line and you see the composite. And that is the feeling basically by rivals, 247. I mean, every every recruiting service has him as the number one. So I, I think it's pretty set in stone, you know, what the way the media feels about you know, this young man. So having him on campus anytime is going to be big, uh, but just, just an incredible prospect, 6'5", 265 on the defensive line, probably, um, you know, looks to play inside at the next level just with his size, but as also a basketball player that the Buckeyes have offered, and he's got several basketball offers as well, you know, he's got the footwork and the athleticism to be able to play on the outside too. So, you know, we talked about this, you know, on, on July 4th about JT Tuomoloau, who committed and you know might be trying to you know play basketball at Ohio State as well. I mean, those two players, you just kind of look at the the forte and the athleticism that they have. And yeah, I just I wish I had even a fraction of the talent they do. So um getting Overton on campus is big and you know he's got great roots. His dad is, you know, was a was a four four-year starter at Oklahoma on the offensive line. So I mean he definitely comes from you know good roots as well that pretty much proven. So, I mean, his dad being the athletic director at Kennesaw state as well, it's a very well-to-do athletic family that, you know, Ohio state will obviously love having this kid on campus. So it's a big, it's a big time visit. Right now for 2023, Ohio state does not have any commitments at, at all. And we talked about, you know, when, uh, back at the beginning of June, they had that, um, Buckeye bash 2.0, that things would probably take a little bit of time to start seeing the, the fruits of that, of that, uh, of all of those visits because people wanted to get out and have their their visits and all of that stuff. Now that we are getting closer to August and Ohio State is bringing a ton of 2023 guys onto campus um, this uh, you know this coming weekend, do you think that we see immediate results from those visits or do you think that we might have to continue to wait like we did for the 2022 guys following Buckeye Bash 2.0 at the beginning of June? I'm a little torn. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not like super worried, but I am shocked that they don't have at least one commitment yet. Um, you, you know, normally by this time, the next cycle has at least one guy in the fold. 
Uh, you know, so for Ohio State not to, I think that's a little interesting. I don't think, again, it's for any fans to worry about at all. I think Ohio State's definitely doing their due diligence, you know, and, and getting these kids on campus like we saw, obviously, in June, you know, the first time they were able to. And I think Ryan Day even touched on that, you know, at media days was how important it is to feel these kids out. You know, they haven't got to meet a lot of these kids or, you know, to talk with them and to see how they are as a fit. I mean, highlight film and phone calls and FaceTime can only do so much for you. You still want to have that player on campus to see, you know, how are they going to fit with your program? So um, I do think there will definitely be a jolt uh, in the 23 class after the big barbecue weekend last weekend in July. I don't know if it'll come in the terms of a commitment, but I definitely think that you're going to see, you know, start a little bit of some dominoes falling and, you know, some stuff starting to happen for that 23 class, whether it's, you know, top schools list, trimming them down, you know, to, you know, whether it's a final five or final three, I think Ohio State will start to at least maybe see a little bit of, like I said, some dominoes starting to fall. And I think that'll lead to their first commitment. Probably, I would say, if not right, after that weekend, you know, within the next uh, couple of weeks. So I'm excited to see, you know, who's going to be the first one. Cause you know, obviously <laughs> it'll be interesting to see who that is. I mean, I wrote a piece on who the most important player in the 2023 class is already. So if people haven't already read that, definitely do that. I won't tell you who it is. I want you to read it, but I've mentioned um, <laughs> him already. I've mentioned <laughs> yeah. him in this podcast yeah. already. Sunny style. So yeah. just go ahead and go ahead and read that piece. I think, I mean, if they were able to get him early on, that would just be, Incredible. I mean, talk about, you know, keeping your top guy at home for the next uh, four years or whatever it may be. That would just be huge. So I don't see him being the first, um, but hopefully he is definitely in the class by, you know, by the time uh, it all wraps up. But we'll see. I, I think the yeah. last weekend in July will be definitely a big one for momentum. And who, who knows? I mean, maybe a commitment will pop, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure, you know, who that first guy will be. Yeah, I think getting Sonny Styles could he could end up being like the CJ Hicks of that class, an obviously huge five star commitment from Central Ohio. Went to my I, he goes to my high school, so I grew up in Columbus. He goes to Pickerington Central. I went before they split, but um, uh, I think having a guy like him who knows the area, knows the school. Um, obviously, his dad played at Ohio State. Like I think he could really be the type of guy who could lead the class if he. Um, if he does end up committing, but Notre Dame's going to put up a fight for him, uh, no doubt. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land's The Dotted Line Podcast. Caleb, thank you. As always, you are going to be here at least once a month moving forward. Um, so I'm really looking forward to having all these conversations with you. Um, and as you said, you're going to have you have th- two or three articles every week, whether they are recruiting roundups or columns. So make sure you head over to LandGrantHolyLand.com to find those. And if you are finding this episode on that website, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are cranking out episodes pretty much every weekday and more. And once the football season starts, uh, and actually as we get into fall camp next month, we're going to have even more, believe it or not, which is just stupid, but we're doing it anyway. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWW Matt. Caleb, where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter is at Caleb Hauser9. So C-L-C-A-L-E-B-H-O-U-S-E-R and then the number nine. Happy to talk recruitment with anyone who wants to stop by. Awesome. And talk about how the Reds need to have a change Absolutely. in ownership. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I apologize to any followers that see my brutal Cincinnati Reds tweets. They are just 
they are the love of my summer life in baseball. And I just, I want so bad for them to see some success uh, like Ohio State football. So, but at least again, like we always say, at least we have the Buckeyes. Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're in second place in the NL Central right now, although they're quite a ways behind. They're third in wild card and two get in, but they're still quite a ways behind. Yes, so yep. there's still time, though. There's, you know, there, there is time. I just, I need that ownership to prove to the fans, you know, at least once this year that, hey, we got your back. We're going to do something to put us over the top. So out, I mean, clearly we need some help. Absolutely. Yeah, go Please. out and get an arm in the bullpen. But <laughs> all right, everybody, thanks for listening. Thank you for allowing two Reds fans to go off on that for a while. Um, we will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Bucks.